We're going to get started here and just look at this next little section. Mark chapter 6. Last time we we got down through the first six verses and uh, really kind of ended quickly with the end here of verse 6 and uh, so forth where he sets up what we're going to be looking at now in verse 7 to 13. The verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. And again, the end of the verse here kind of is going to begin to set up what he's going to do now in verse 7 to 13, which is he's going to send out the 12. And he's going to send out the apostles in a really unique ministry now that they are not familiar with. So they're having a little OJT here on the job training. That's what's going to happen. And where he is still here on the earth at this time, they literally are going to go out now on their own and begin to function in, with his, in his absence. And we'll see that here. And again, he comes out of verse 6 where he marveled because of their unbelief. He goes home. There, verse uh, uh, 14, his own country, his own kind, kin, kind, <laughs> his own kin, his own house. He goes there, and yet they, their unbelief, they reject him. So, verse 7, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth uh, by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff alone only, nor no scrip, no bread, no money in their purses." in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. So he's going to send them out. They're going to go out two by two. Uh, They're going out. And and really what you're seeing is what do you do in the face of unbelief? Well, what did he do? The end of verse 6. And he went around about the villages doing what? Teaching. So in the unbelief, he's going to continue teaching. Now, what's going to happen here, by the way, when you face unbelief, when you face like our day today, you know, people just, the rampant unbelief that's out there, you just can keep doing what you're doing. You teach. That's what Paul, real quick, 2 Timothy, he says over here in 2 Timothy uh, 3, they're talking about, in verse 13, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, that's the condition of the church, the body as a whole. What do we do? Verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and be assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So what do we do? We continue to teach. We continue to stand for the word rightly divided and so forth. Back here in Mark 6, that's what he's doing. And now he's going to send out the 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 12 now he's already in mark here he's already commissioned them he's already listed their names back in chapter 3 look back in chapter 3 so mark is not going to relist them because this is going to compare to matthew 10 and to luke 9 where he does do that but in in mark 3 13 and he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power 
to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And then in verse 16, 17, 18, 19, he names them. Mark here doesn't name them in Mark 6. He's already named them. He's now going, and he's already commissioned them. He's already uh, set them forth. Now, Mark, so Mark here is not repeating the commission, all right? Rather, he's going to give them some instruction in what it is to be a servant. And so when you come back to Mark 6 here, he, Mark is worried about what we're going to do. Matthew is worried about what is said, the, the, the commission, the, the word used to the authority to go. Luke, here's how they feel. Here's how they're, they're going to work it out. So in 6-7 here, when, he, when they're going forth, it isn't so much this is what's said. It's more this is what they are doing. You'll notice uh, in verse 7, they go two, two, two by two, and that's a great call. In Luke 10, he sends the 70 out two by two. And so then the idea, I, you know, there's a great, there's, there's a major occult that's called the two by two group. And they have a name, but it's basically, a, they use this passage to say, see, look, this is what we ought to be doing. But that isn't the issue here. The, 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 when you go two by two, and by the way, when you, when you look at the way he names them, the, even in Matthew 10 and Luke, Luke 9, there is a grouping that happens there. And we talked about that when we looked at them. But when you think about two by two, there's a companionship there. There's, some, there's strength in numbers, as they say. There's security. There, there's also the don't quit, show up mentality. <laughs> you know, when you're on your own, you tend to say, yeah, I think I'm calling it in today, and I'm just going to sleep in, you know. Uh, we got done last night late, and we, uh, Linda's like, are you getting up early? I said, no. <laughs> that is a big N and a big O. And about 6.30, 7 o'clock this morning, she's like, well, are you getting up? And I'm like, no, and what are you doing up? Because usually she's up, you know. She's sleeping longer than me sometimes, and so it, 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 that, that's, that's the idea there. Uh, come over to Matthew 18. But the two-by-two two issue is more than the companionship and the strength and the security, Matthew 18. It, it, it's more than that, really. And it has to do with the, with the issue of where two or three are gathered, in my name, there I am. When two or more witnesses, the word is confirmed idea. It's really a ministry thing. It's really a confirmation of what's being said. Rather than just one person going and saying and doing, now we have a witness. We have, a, we have this, this quorum, if you will, idea. And you see that here in Matthew 18. Now, Matthew 18, verse 20 for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And that's a great verse that gets abused. But in its context, it's exactly what is needed. So go back up to verse 16. By the way, J.C. O'Hare one time said, where two or three are gathered in my name, take a collection. So the offering box in the back, so you help yourself, because there's more than two of us in the room, okay? Actually, there's more than three of us in the room. And if you're online, there's a... There's an, a Zelle and a PayPal, you help out, okay? 
All right, Nev, hey, I got to get it in there, right? All right, look at verse 16. Notice the context. But if he will not hear, and that's a brother, that's the issue of a brother, he, the end of verse 15, a bro, thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, so what are you doing? You're dealing with someone, he rejects you, you go get some help, they're dealing with them, he rejects them, verse 17, tell it unto the church. Now, the church here isn't the body of Christ, because it's Matthew, this is the little flock, this is the kingdom church, okay, and, and what are they going to do? Uh, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And that issue of two or three, that issue here in the local assembly, by the way, the issue here in Matthew 18 is their church business. How do we get stuff done? Well, we got to have a quorum. Well, what's the quorum? Two or three, at least three. At least two, three's better. So, so in other words, we have to get to, to make some decisions here. This is church business. So what does verse 20 say? For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So in order to, to conduct church business, if you will, church to get stuff done, they, there, there's a quorum here. And it isn't one person. It takes two or at least three to have some official action decided. Okay, now this is good practice. Robert's rules of order and everything come a lot from this. Church today, local assembly, we're independently governed, so there really isn't a rule of two or three, but this is good practice to have rather than just one guy making. It's interesting, bishop and elder and deacon are usually in a plural sound. The bishops and the deacons, the elders, there's usually a plurality to it, not just one. Notice in verse 18, though, what, whatsoever ye shall bind. You see the ye, that's the group. They're to have this group mentality, this two by two, this mentality of, hey, we're going to have a witness and, and the confirmation of it. If you think about the Godhead, come over to chapter 16. What, the Godhead is three persons, and it takes an agreement of all three to move the activity forward. Now, if you look here at Matthew 16, you have Peter, verse 18. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's going to talk to Peter here, verse 19. And I will give unto thee, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever Thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So he's talking about the kingdom church, and Peter solely, alone, he's the chief apostle, he's the head of the twelve, and he carries 
the individually the same power that then the Lord, Matthew 18, gives to the group. So Peter can come in and weigh in. But it's fascinating that when Peter does weigh in, there's always somebody else with him. Peter hardly ever operates on his own. It's Peter and John. Peter and James. Peter and John. Peter and Nathaniel and Bartholomew. There's usually Peter. So Peter alone, he can come in and say this or that. That's why in Galatians 2, Cephas, James, and John give the right hand of fellowship. What are they doing? They're loosing their ministry and they're binding Paul's ministry. See, they're loosing themselves of their authority and they're binding their authority to, really turning their authority over to Paul as the, uh, the due time testifier. That's what's happening here. So when you come back to Mark 6, by the way, in Matthew 16 there, verse 18, the rock, you ought to have written down Deuteronomy 32, who's their rock? Christ is. That church is built on Christ. It's not the Roman Catholic idea of Peter and everything. Peter's just a head, one of the head spokesmen. Anyway, Mark 6. We can get bogged down in all that. We'll never get out of here. And we'll be an hour and a half afterwards again. Mark 6. Mark 6, verse number 7. And he called unto him the twelve. So we have the leadership of the little flock. And began to send them forth by two and two. Again, the two and two there, it has to do with, that, with the idea of the confirmation of the extra witness in the giving of the truth. They're going to go out, and they're going to take official action. They're going to preach. They're going to have power over the unclean spirits and to heal. They got this power given to them, and they're going to do it in his name. They're going to do it in the absence of his presence. They're going to do it in, 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 in his authority. They're exercising, and he sends them out. Now, up to this point, they've been with him. Now, he's going to send them out without him being there. And what he's doing, again, a little OJT here, before Calvary, and he's gone. Here, he's training them. They're going to go out in his absence. They're going to preach his word. They're going to exercise his authority. They're going to do this. And he's, he's training them for service. But again, in his absence, he sends them out. He sends them out by two and two. He gave them power, authority. That the, the ability to say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and be healed. That guy in Acts 3. Okay? They're going to be able to raise the dead. They're going to be able to heal the sick. They're going to be able to cast out. The, they're going to do, be able to do everything. Those two great signs of the kingdom, they are going to be preaching and showing, just as he is. They're going to have the, uh, the uh, authority, his authority, his power. Again, in his absence to exercise it and to do. So in the, abs- in, in the face of unbelief, verse 6-6, what does he do? He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop. He says, okay, I'm going to go preach and I'm going to do, 
but now I'm going to send out more of you to go out there and preach and to do. And I, but I need to teach you how to do it. I, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here. And you need to go. So he sends them out, again, to serve. They're serving the people. Again, Mark is concerned with serving the people and that issue of service. And the, the, there's a provision. It's interesting. I, I've cleaned buildings in the past as, as jobs, second jobs, third jobs. And you always are looking for the supplies. Where's the supply cabinet? Where's this? Where's that? You know, we get people who, especially when COVID started, hey, do you need your buildings clean? Well, no, I clean them. So, oh, no, 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 you know. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to, Molly Maids pulls up, and what do they have? They got everything. And so Mark's interested in those provisions. Where are the tools to go and to do and to work? The equipment. Matthew is interested in what is said, that governmental what said. Mark, I, let's see the provisions. So verse 8, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Uh-oh, if we're going to look for provisions, now what is he saying? Take nothing for your journey, nor uh, save a staff only, no script. No script. Script there is the issue of, a, of luggage, a bag. That's what he's talking about. No bread, no money. See, there's money and there's a purse. Okay, so the script there isn't money. The script is a bag. Don't, don't throw the backpack on. Don't have the roller. But be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. Now, there's some interesting thing here. He's going to send them out. He's going to give them power. And then he commands them, take, don't take anything with you. Wait a minute, Lord. We got to go do work here. What's going on? Take nothing with them. Travel light, minimal. We're we're in a tiny home situation. Get rid of all the junk. Get rid of all declutter. Unplug. You don't need all that. But notice how he says it, verse eight, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. They're to if you're you're going to be traveling light. Don't take, don't, don't grab a backpack. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about money. Don't take an extra coat. Oh, and by the way, your shoes aren't really shoes. They are sandals. You, ever, you know, I don't, anybody, I don't, I was going to ask anybody have sandals on in here. It, it's too cold, right? Okay. <laughs> in the summertime, I'll wear sandals. Why? You know, it, they're, they're light, they're cool. They're not a substantial shoe, are they? You know, driving the school bus, you had to have closed-toed shoes. You can't have open-toed shoes. So what do you get? You always get the one yahoo that's going to wear sandals, flip-flop. Well, even for monitors, if you're on the bus, you had to have clothes. And that's a safety thing, and that's why. But there, it's not substantial. Don't take money, don't take food. You can take a walking stick, a staff, okay? You can have that. You can have a coat. Don't take two coats. Take, you can have a coat. And by the way, over in Matthew and in Luke when he does this, he says don't take up an offering either when you're out and about. 
And what's happening here is very important to catch what the Lord is doing. Come over to Luke chapter 9. And again, he's, we're, we're OJT in it here. We're the, the, he's training them on the job so that they understand what it's going to be like in his absence. If you look at Luke 9, if you look there at verse 1, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whosoever house ye enter in, there abide and thence depart. There's a, there's a reason why, come over to chapter 22, that they are commanded to not take anything. Go with what's on your back. Don't grab an extra coat. Don't grab an extra stick. Don't grab an extra walking stick. Don't grab anything. Just go. Luke chapter 22, if you look at verse 35, here's the point. Here's why he says this. And he said unto them, when I sent you, so when I sent you, so this is looking back at that event, this event, without purse and script and shoes. Now watch the question. Lacked ye anything? And they said, what? Nothing. The reason he's sending them out in Mark 6, go back to Mark 6, Luke 9, Matthew 10, and he says, don't you take anything, is he's, he sends them out to preach and to exercise his authority in his absence. And what does he ask them? Did you lack anything? And they said, what? No, we, we didn't lack for no, anything. And that's the point. They're needing to learn to trust his provision and to trust that there will be a provision for them in their service, in his absence, as they're out doing. They've been with him all along. He feeds the 5,000. They ate too. See? He feeds the 4,000. They eat too. He's, he's always, now he's not going to be there. Out you go. You know, it's kind of like I was watching this eagle uh, thing on Instagram, and they got a camera on an eagle, and, she, and they're trying to make a bait, the, 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 the nest. And as the eaglet gets older, mom starts taking the nest apart. So does dad. You can't tell. They go, oh, that's the mom. How can you tell? They're two grown birds. You can't tell which, unless you lift the legs and, oh, you know, look. See, but what do they do? They start pulling stuff out to do what? Get the eaglet to go because they make it uncomfortable. That's what he's doing here. He's moving them out. He's kicking them out. He's like, look, guys, you need to learn to trust me. You need to learn to trust my word. You need to get out there and you need to trust in the provisions that I'm going to tell you you have because I... in I'm not going to be here all the time. In a little bit, and Mark, he's going to tell him they're going to kill him. They're going to fall apart, but did you lack anything? No. And that's really why he says, don't take money, don't take a purse, don't take food, don't take a backpack, just go. Okay? Now, back, are you, are you, you need to be back in Mark 6. 
He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Now, by the way, people today in religion, they use this and they take that vow of poverty. This is not a vow of poverty. If you do this, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be down at the soup yard looking for a handout, and you're going to blame God for what? Not providing. Or you're going to say, God, thank you for providing the soup kitchen. God didn't provide the soup kitchen. You know, Phoenix Rescue Mission here locally, they do. See? So God's either going to get the blame or he's going to get the credit. And Paul, (laughs) no, he doesn't work that way. Today, Paul says, get a job. You want to eat? You better get a job, dude. They don't have that. We'll see this in just a second here. Now, there's something here you need to, pay, need to notice here. Mark 6 and verse 8. Get Mark 6, get Matthew 10, and get Luke 9. So get, let's get Matthew 10, because there's something here you need to notice. Because Mark 6, Matthew 10, and Luke 9, this, uh, get Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9. Luke 9, verse 3, Mark 10, 9, and 10, and then Mark, or I'm sorry, Matthew 10, verse 9, and 10, and then get uh, Mark 6. Mark 6, verse 8. What happens is, is the Bible critics the guys who don't like the King James Bible, say there's a mistake in your Bible. Mark 6, verse 8. And commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff alone. I'm going to write it on here. A staff. Okay? Now, look at Matthew 10. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet, what? Staves. Do you see the problem? Okay, keep reading. Now go to Luke 9 and verse 3. And he said unto them, take neither for your journey... Neither staves. See how it says staves? Staves is the plural, and the staff is the singular. One letter changes, causes a contradict. The American Standard Version, the NIV, all of the new Bibles, and in Matthew 10, you know what they say? Staff. So wait a minute. Mark says don't take a staff. I'm I'm sorry. Mark says take a staff. Matthew and Luke say don't take a staff. Which one is it? Do Do you follow? You see, but in a King James Bible, what does it say? Matthew and Luke say staves, plural. Don't take two staffs. Mark says, take a staff only. See how you're, you know, people go, oh, that's just, that's nothing, Rick. Yeah, but one letter just changed doctrine, just caused a contradiction. Because Matthew and Luke says, take 
in, in the new Bibles, take a staff, or don't take a staff. Mark says take a staff. Well, which one is it? Double-minded man's unstable in his ways. The, so the Bible's a mistake. The King James says no, staves, plural. He says don't take two coats. Take one, don't take two. Take one staff, a staff only. So you got to pay attention to this because this stuff gets used in it. All right? Now, Matt, you're in Matthew. Matthew 10. Verse 9. So unless you're using, don't use the new Bibles. I guess that's the bot because it messes with a lot of different things for you. So look at Matthew 10, look at verse number 9. Matthew 10, verse 9. The first word, provide neither gold nor silver. Mark, he says, uh, take not. Right? I go Mark 6. Mark 6. And he commanded them that they should take nothing. Provide. The issue of making provisions. He's telling them, don't go out and buy a bunch of stuff. We're going to go camping in June. Family camping. We're already making purchases for June because we're finding that things that have been sitting in the heat are not exactly usable any longer. <laughs> Seven years in the heat, tent's not going to make it, okay? So he said, don't go out and start buying a bunch of stuff. Don't go, let, just take what you have. Don't make provisions on your own. Why? Because I'm going to, you need to learn that the, I'm going to provide for you in my absence as you're out serving. Go back to Mark 6. Don't take, again, the issue here is that they're learning that God is providing for them and that they need to trust him. They don't rely on their own resources. That's what they've been doing. You think about the Peter, James, and John and those guys and Bartholomew and the thing. Those are commercial fishermen. They're used to making it on their own, and now they're going to go out and can't make it. Don't do it. Don't take anything with you. And again, that's the issue here. Just go. So they are learning, Mark 6, to trust his provisions. Verse 9. And be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And again, sandals are not that, they're not a substantial shoe. They're, you know, just a little piece of rubber and a little tether to keep it all on. That's it. When we were in California for the Bible conference, around from the Bible conference is where they make those rainbow uh, sandals, is where the factory is, and they make them there. And I still have my pair from 15 years ago. <laughs> they last. Now, I don't wear them all the time, but they, they're, they're solid. So, what do you get? And you know what it is? It's a piece of rubber, and it's got a thing on there to hold it on your foot, and that's it. But there's something here about the sandals. Do you remember? Maybe you do. Go back to Deuteronomy 29. 
Do you remember somebody saying somebody to someone about you've been wandering around in the wilderness and your shoes never wore out? (laughs) You remember that? Please say yes. Thank you. Make me feel good. Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. Here it is. Moses is talking to him. Deuteronomy 29.5, And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and the shoe, thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Why? His provisions. If you look over at chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, 33, and you look there at 25, 33 verse 25, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Iron and brass, they don't wear out. So this is the promise of God to provide for the nation of Israel. Come over to Isaiah chapter 5. So he's providing for Israel, and in Isaiah chapter 5, and in Mark... He's going to do what? Provide for Israel. Now, let's think about this. In Here we are in the earthly ministry of the Lord. He's getting them ready for that 70th week, okay? That's what he's doing. He's getting them ready. He has called. He's calling out the little flock, the believing remnant. He's got the 12 established, sitting in 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes. His government is in place. He's getting them ready for the tribulation. He's getting them ready for his second coming and getting them ready for the setting up of the kingdom. So he tells them, no food. Don't take food. Why? What's going to happen to him in the tribulation? He's going to feed them with manna. There's, there's trouble coming. There's my, now, he's going to die. He's going to ascend up into heaven. He's gone. He's, Acts 1 to 7 happens in here. Again, we just kind of shrunk the board, okay? Actually, it's Acts 1 to 8. Antichrist is revealed, 70th week and off and running, all right? Now, it's not the scale, so don't email me. It's not the scale. No kidding, okay? Give me a little shadow of a doubt here, you know, that I know what I'm talking about. You know, you get people like that. You know, it's just like, come on, really? Didn't need to be said. Thank you very much. Just kind of like the temperature thing, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Inside joke. That's going to be an inside joke now, right? What's he going to do? No food. Why? Because there's going to be trouble over here. They're going to have to get into the wilderness. What happens in the midst of the week? There's that war in heaven. Satan and them are all cast down. Revelation 12. They go off. That believing remnant gets shoveled off into the wilderness where their table is waiting for them. No food. Think about this. Don't take any money with you. No money. What happens over here? If you don't take the mark of the beast, 
You can't buy and sell. Guess what the believer's not going to do? Take the mark of the beast. So guess what? He ain't even worried about money because he can't buy and sell anyway. See, he's got to have those, he's got to have some help. So the things here that he tells them in Mark 6, don't take, he's preparing them to function in his absence teaching them, look, you just go do what I say to do and everything will be taken care of for you and provided for you. Isaiah 5, look at verse 27. So, by the way, (laughs) don't take the shoes, the clothes issue. We just read in Deuteronomy 20 there, 20. What did we read? Deuteronomy 33, Deuteronomy 29. It's going to be there. They're not going to wax old. They're going to be okay. They're going to be provided for. Isaiah 5, verse 27. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall stumble nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosened, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. Tribulation. Here it is. God's provision for them. He's providing for them. In the context here, it's, he's providing for them. In Mark, Go back there to Mark 6. And what's happening is he's, getting, he's training them. He's teaching them. In my absence, what's going to happen here is you're going to need to trust my provision my providing for you. And if you'll do that, then everything will be good. And when you don't do that, now we got problems. That, that's why in Matthew, he, he, he makes that wonderful statement about the, the lilies. Look at how God deals with the lilies and the birds. And you guys are worried about the things that the Gentiles are worried. But if you just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added. And the things are these physical things. The physical necessities of life. Don't you know your father knows you need this stuff? What do you think he is? Send him an email, you know. But here it is. Don't, you don't need to do that. Just trust in my provision. Now again, Mark 6, you and I today... Paul tells us, you want to eat, you want to have, you better go get a job, man. And you better go to work. And, you know, you got to take out a loan to fill your car up lately here, it seems like. But you got to do it. That's what you got to do, you know. I, I'm sorry. I think about the Tesla. I, I saw Nikki. I think about the Tesla. Here they are. Hey, go buy a $75,000 vehicle and you'll never have to worry about gas again. Really? Are you sure? Because oil is needed in every production piece of that electric car. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, nothing about Nick yet. If I could afford a Tesla, I'd be in one. Believe me, those things are slick, man. I saw, we were in California. They're everywhere in California. And uh, I'm, we're sitting in the freeway, and we're going. We're not in dead stop. And all of a sudden, you see, and I'm like, well, there they go. You know, they can use the, the go-fast lane because they're electric. Um, they're just buzzing. I'm like, that's pretty slick right there, man. But uh, somebody was telling me that uh, in Florida a couple years ago, the hurricane was coming, 
So they released the uh, Teslas to get more range on their batteries. So they can only go, I don't know what it is, say 300 miles. Well, that's a computer that controls that. And Tesla shot a signal down for every Tesla in Florida that they could go 600 miles on the battery. And it made everybody mad that owned one of, well, wait a minute, why can't we do this all the time, you know? Because the computer controls all that, apparently. Anyway, it has nothing to do with Mark 6. Go to Mark 6. <laughs> Some, uh, but, what's that? Must, it must be. There, there has to be a fail-safe of some sort of why they would do such. But uh, anyway, Mark 6. I'm not, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I think about people and the stuff, it's just lunacy. They, they said, yeah, it's just, I, I was watching the business channel and nickel right now is going through the roof because it's used in the batteries for all the ba lith uh, lithium batteries and everything. And it's like, well, it, that would have been a commodity to be involved in. But uh, anyway, where are we? <laughs> Might as well pray and be done, right? All right, verse 10, 610. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Very, verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, here's their conduct. Here, here's here's, here's uh, how they, what they're going to do, Okay. So they're going to go into town, a town, and the first place that they go in and they're received, they're going to stay there while they're in the town, while they're in that area. That's going to be their headquarters. And the receiving of them is the receiving of the message. So you're into a house of belief. Now the house of unbelief, verse 11, is in trouble. But th when they go in, they're, in other words, they're not going self-seeking. They're not saying... I don't want the Chevy, I want the Tesla. So let's go into the Tesla's home. See, they're not doing that. They're not saying, well, Bob, you got a bigger house, but man, Nick over here, he's got a mansion on the hill, so we're going there. He's not, that, that's no. <laughs> it's not self-serving. A nicer home or a nicer place. It's rather, you're, when the people respond positively to the message, that's where you're to be. So if that's where they're to be, then what's going to be there for them in response to the message? The food, the money, the, the, the needs will be provided. That's why I showed you Luke 22. When you went out, did you lack for anything? The answer is no. Why? Because the believing remnant provided for you and took care of you. And that's the provisions. Verse 10, enter into a house, there abide till you depart. You're going to be there as long as you're in that area. And when you leave and you go to the next one, who, what are you looking for? A house of faith. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the shack to a Chevy Tesla. You're looking for the house of faith. Verse 11. 
And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence. Now notice, when ye depart. So you go in, say they roll into, you know, I don't know, Bethlehem. And Bethlehem's not a bad choice, but it's what came to my mind. So Bethlehem. They go in, they're talking, and Mary and Joseph receive them. But Phyllis and, and Ernie reject them. Okay? All right. So we got our two houses. I'm headquartered here. I'm out and doing, hey, now it's time for us to go to Damascus. We're leaving. Ernie and Bethlehem, boom. Shake off the dust. But you don't do it until you do what? Notice how that verse says that when you depart. Why? Because you're out doing ministry and what could happen over here in Ernie and Bertha's house? It wasn't Bertha. It was somebody else. Phyllis. Okay. Gertrude. Who knows? You know. I used to have a GPS unit that talked to me and it was Olga. I was like, okay, Olga. You know, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. Might as well just cancel tonight. Let's just. So then do what? Then do what? Shake off the dust. Now, watch what shake off the dust under your feet for a what? Testimony against them. Paul does this in Acts. Shake off the dust. They're, why? Because it's a testimony against them. And it's the issue of judgment. There's a. The shaking off the dust is a, is a sign of judgment. And it's more, notice how he says it. If it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember Matthew uh, 10, 11, it's not 10, it's got to be 11, 12, right in there. And he says, he goes into the one city and they repent and they don't repent and it's, Sodom and Gomorrah have it easier. By the way, that tells you there are different degrees of judgment, but judgment is still judgment, okay? I mean, you think about the great white throne judgment and the sinner, you know, I think about the little old lady that lived a good life and took care of her family, but she's a sinner. She's, she died. She's in hell. Guess what? She's still going to go to hell because of being a sinner, and yet, you think about a guy like, I don't know, Hitler, Mussolini, those kind of guys. <laughs> Be different. Different levels of judgment, okay? That's what's happening here. Why? Why would it be easier for less judgy, less for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town? Because of the light that they have in that town. Who was just there? The Word of God was just there. In, in, I mean, now we're talking about in the 12. There they are. They had light. Come, on, come back with me to Nehemiah chapter 5. Let's try to salvage the evening study here. Nehemiah 5. Nehemiah 5. You see, the issue of shaking off the dust is that it's a sign of a judgment they had the light the information they rejected it sodom and gomorrah didn't have a, any light any of it and yet what happened to them they were completely destroyed they'll have a lesser deal john i'm sorry nehemiah 5 
Look, if you will, at verse 12. By the way, the Lord shakes off the dust to his feet. The 12 do it. Paul does it. When Paul does it, it's in front of the Jews. So guess who will understand this? The Jews do. They get this. Okay? The, it starts here, Nehemiah 5, verse 12. Then said they, we will restore them. We're not going to get into all what's going on in Nehemiah, but verse 12. We will restore them and, we're, and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Now watch. Also I shook my lap and said, So God, shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praise the Lord, and the people did according to this promise. Judgment. Shake out who isn't doing what the Word of God said, who isn't doing the promise. Shake out those who have rejected God's Word. Shake them out. Okay? So you get up, you're leaving, you go over to their house, and you shake out then he's the what? The dust from under your shoe. You take your shoe off, which is a sandal, and you just shake it out. Now, the thing about the dust, come back to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. There's a whole thing here. And again, just give you something to think about, and you can study it out. Why does God tell Moses to take his shoes off? Yeah, that's what, that's what the verse says. He's standing on holy ground, but it's a judgment against Moses is in the wrong place. Moses is disobeying the word of God. He's in trouble. He's been a bad little boy. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So the burning bush thing, it is holy ground in that it's the burning bush, but it's also a judgment of your not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So shoeless in the desert type of thing, it's not a good sign when the Lord looks at you and says, take your shoes off. It's a judgment. You're not, Nehemiah 5, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Look at Mark 9, I'm sorry, Exodus 9, look at verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. Now, you see the ashes of the furnace. That has to do with the sacrificing that they're making to Baal, to the gods of Egypt. When you see the things about the children and they pass through the furnace and the fire, things in Scripture, in modern-day religion-dumb, we call that dedicating the babies, dedication for children. Okay, that's what they are. You're not going to burn them up because you'll get in trouble. So we what? We dedicate them. We baptize the babies. That's what we're doing here. He's not talking about actually here literally burning up the children. But what are we doing? We're offering a sacrifice on behalf of for their eternal whatever. Okay, what are you going to do, Moses? You're going to go in there and you're going to get a handful of the ash. Verse 9. 
and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blands upon man and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. What is he saying, Mark? Shake the dust. You're out here laboring in God's word. You're teaching them. You're serving them. And they don't want to hear it. Why don't they want to hear it? Because they're caught up in that vain religious system. Ashes from the furnace. You take that dust, small dust, and (laughs) what do you do? You throw it up in the air, Moses. And what does it do? It becomes the botch of Egypt, it's called. The, 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 the um, blands and all this boils and all this stuff breaks out. It's judgment. That's the point. Shaking off the dust. It's a judgment here. And it's because of their unbelief that comes because they're under the satanic captivity. They're under that veil, that vain religious system. Again, Baal worship. That's where they're at. So in Mark, you guys are going to be out there. You're going to be working and you're going to be doing, and there's going to be some unbelievers, and you just go over there and shake your shoes off on them. And what is that? It is a sign of judgment against their stuck in unbelief, stuck underneath the religious system. Now come back to Mark 6, because now we got to go. <laughs> got two more, a couple more verses here to finish. So when they reject the apostles and they reject the message from them they're to go over there and to shake it and again it's a pick it's a testimony against them the verse says and it's a picture of the doom it's a picture of the judgment on those who have rejected the message again it starts back there in nehemiah 5 you can run it all through the old testament it's very fascinating come over and do this come over and do that and they will the jews know what it's about Now, verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Now, think about what they're doing. They're out. They're traveling light. They're trusting in his provisions. They're finding those who believe the word. They're headquartering with them. They're out going into their their regions. And then there's a judgment on those who don't believe them unbelief now watch what they do they preach that that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them what are they doing preaching and showing preaching and healing they're doing what they were taught to do now think about verse 12 they're telling men that they should repent. Come back to Matthew 10. The men here. Who is that? It's going to be important to remember this. Matthew 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold. So as you go, who, who are you talking to? Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the men here, 
the men, that men should repent. It isn't the Gentiles. It's who? It's Israel, the lost sheep. And that's important to remember here. Because what happens is, is again, mainline Christianity comes in, scoops these verses up, because they like that deal of poverty. And they like to say, hey, if you give me a hundred, God will give you a thousand. I'm sitting there going, give me a thousand, he'll give you ten thousand. Give me ten. Hey, I'll take a hundred, you'll get a million. You know, and they play that game, they use these verses, and yet right division comes in and says, uh, no, you can't do that. Verse 13, Mark 6:13. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. They're doing the two great signs of the kingdom. They go out. Are you in Mark 6? Look over at Mark 16. The way he ends the book. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And that's exactly how this was working. They preached the word. They do the sign. The sign confirms the word. The word never confirms the sign. Preach the word. The sign confirms the word. They go out. They're out doing what he tells them to do. He provides for them. The message is authenticated. They're, they're going two by two. There it is. He's teaching them. Why? Because he... He's going to be gone here in a little bit. And in his absence, they are to occupy. They're to carry on. They have an occupation, that Acts ministry, of carrying on in his absence with his authority. You'll notice in 6.13 that they're anointed with oil. Now, that's going to be a little addition of information here. This is where James 5 comes in. So run over to James 5. Okay? James 5. They anointed with oil. So the question then is, okay, what kind of oil? Is it engine oil or is it castor oil or is it, you know, what oil is it? See? Well, it's probably olive oil because olive oil in your Bible denotes, uh, is a type, a picture of the Holy Spirit. Okay? James 5, verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with, the oil, with oil in the name of the Lord. And there it is, anointing. An act of faith in the application of the truth of God to the man, to, to Israel here. That's who James is written to, James 1.1. 1, 1. That anointing, that application... What are they? They're, this picture of the Holy Spirit. Come over to Acts chapter ten. Just, you just got to think about this. Get Acts ten, and get Hebrews one. We're going to compare them. Acts ten, and Hebrews one. Acts ten, Hebrews one. And when you think about this issue of Mark six here about anointing with the oil, it's something very specific. Mark is giving us a picture into. What's he doing? He, he goes into his own city. They reject him. He marvels because of their unbelief. He goes out preaching. He gets to 12 and says, listen, we're going to handle this unbelief. You guys are going to go out now two by two. Don't take anything. Travel light. 
trust my provisions for you. When you get into town, find a believing home, stay there, work the area. When you leave, cast off, do that thing, judge the unbelievers, go to the next town. And when you get to the next town, we're going to repeat this. We're going to do this over and over again. And when you go, here's the message. Here's who you're talking to, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out the, the, the unclean spirits. And you're going to anoint with oil. See, that's an additional information here. Acts 10. You got that? Acts 10, verse 37. That word I say, and Peter's talking here to Cornelius and his family, his house. Verse 37. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Notice how Peter says this. That God the Father did what? Anointed God the Son with God the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now come over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. So Peter, talking about the Lord, says that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 1 verse 8. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and, thy, and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Well, wait a minute. He was anointed with what? Peter said the Holy Spirit, the writer of Hebrews says, with oil. So oil and the Holy Spirit, are associated with each other. Think about the issue in, come over back with me to the book of Isaiah. Um, I'll start in chapter 1. Think about the Lord is in the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of, of olive oil. That's what Gethsemane is referring to. To get the oil out of the olive, what do you have to do with it? You've got to press it. You go down here to the olive mill and down in Queen Creek area and you watch them press it. And, and it's talking about the pressure and the pressing of it and the, the pressure there. Isaiah chapter 1, um, verse 4. Ah, sinful nation. Now, again, he's talking about Israel. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. Boy, a bunch of wonderful people, aren't they? They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into, unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. The whole of it is what? It's, it, it's in bad news. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and purifying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up with, neither mollified with what? Ointment. They, 
Israel is in trouble. And the only cure for Israel's condition was the anointment, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's that ointment there. Because how do they get the Holy Spirit? Think about this now. The, the new covenant is where Israel is told that they will get the, the, the Holy Spirit. Follow? Okay. Look, look at Jeremiah 31. Um, yeah, Jeremiah 31. You have to think about this. How do they get the Holy Spirit? Now, Acts 2 is coming. Day of Pentecost, they're going to get the, com- the, the Spirit. But that, there's a picture being developed here. And that picture is, Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with Israel, with the house of Israel, with the uh, house of Judah. Okay? Verse 33 But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. See, how? what's he going to do with the law? He's going to write it in them. Come over to Ezekiel 36. Further revelation here, Ezekiel 36. You start in verse 24, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. So what's the new spirit? His spirit cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell and off you go. So the new they when they get the spirit the when he when they get the holy spirit that then enables them to be the nation that they are to be. Okay? Come over to Isaiah 32. I'm walking this through with you. And I know we're over time, but you got to pay attention. Isaiah 32. There's a reason why Mark says you're going to anoint with the oil. It isn't just filling up the page. It's getting them ready for the next step. Isaiah 32, the first 15 verses are about Christ being the king. Verse 1, behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and prince shall rule in judgment, then he's going to, so you got Christ as the king, the princes, there's the 12 sitting on the thrones judging the 12 tribes, there they are. Verse number uh, 5, the vile person shall be no more called liberal, nor the curl. Verse 6, for the vile person, there's the Antichrist, picture of the Antichrist coming. Verse 15, until the spirit be poured upon us from on high, there's Acts 2. So you've got this prediction of their history all the way down through. Until the, Holy, until the Spirit be what? Poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness be fruitful filled, uh, be a fruitful field. The fruitful field be counted for a 
forest. Verse 17, and the work, so from verse 16 to 20 is all about the kingdom, if I can just say it that way. Okay? So the coming of the Holy Spirit, the natural provision that Israel will need to go into the kingdom, all hinges, the natural remedy, the natural healing that Israel needs hinges on the healing power provided by the Holy Spirit when he shows up. That's the picture, okay? If you look in chapter 44 here of Isaiah, in verse 3, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. So when you go back to Mark 6 here, and he says, hey, you're going to go out, you're going to talk to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, you're going to cast out the demon, and then you're going to anoint with oil. That's a picture of them, of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Again, Acts 2, it hadn't happened yet, it's coming. But what it is, is it's a picture of the separation in the nation of the believers and the unbelievers, the believing remnant and the apostate nation. And that oil represents the, the faith application of God's word to the believer. Here's the seal, if you will. Here's the, here's the done deal. So these apostles, they're beginning to understand that they're going to be exercising the very authority of Christ as king. And they're going to be providing for Israel that blessing that's going to come through his authority, his ministry, his message of who he is. And they're to, take, and they're to apply his word to the situation. And when they do that, he, they, they kind of just add in this little thing here about this anointing with oil. Many that were sick and healed them. And what you're beginning to see here with these with, in Mark is here are the servants learning from the master servant about what it is to be a servant. What you're going to go and do. So go. Get out of here. Don't make provisions. Don't take up anything. Go and do. And when you do, this is what you say. This is what you do. But ultimately, you're going to have to trust me because I'm leaving. And when I come back, then we'll get into the kingdom. But until I come back, you're going to occupy. You're going to have to endure. You're going to have to go through some things. And you need to understand that when I tell you don't take food or money or shoes, that's because over here you're not going to be able to have that stuff either. And you've got to know how to survive without it. And that's where you come and you find out in Matthew 25 there when he separates out the nations, the sheep and the goats, that there are Gentiles who come in and perform the Abrahamic covenant and who will then get into the kingdom. And that judgment sits over here as a part of his second coming. Okay? All right.
long way around the rose bush, but uh, we got there, I think. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, we thank you for who we are in your son and for the ability to look into your word here and to see all the blessings and all the benefits that you have for your people, the nation of Israel. And yet we see their rejection of it. And Lord, I just pray that we would stand with who we are in you. In your name we pray. Amen.